What is up, everybody? Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy, jumping on real quick with another fun podcast episode. Thanks for being here. I appreciate that you are here. Uh, leave comments if you're enjoying this stuff. I always do appreciate that. And if you have any future episodes or things that you want to talk about, I am all ears on taking ideas. We love those. So keep them coming. Anyway, today I bring a very special guest on. We connected. Uh, her name is Michelle Dickinson. And she is a mental well-being strategist. She is a mental well-being coach. She helps companies and corporations implement programs and procedures to help employees with their mental health. Now, in civil engineering, we might not talk about mental health that much. But the truth is, is that you've probably got some stressful jobs out there or you're repeating your exams. And there are some things that really can help us. There's some tools that can really help us navigate these situations that we find in our life. Now, a lot of stuff that it's thrown at, thrown at us in life is just simply life, but it helps to have a toolkit of things that you can go back to to really help you uh, and take assessment on your mental health and how you're doing and improving, similar to your own body. So uh, Michelle is a fantastic guest. She was a TEDx speaker. She gave a, a wonderful uh, talk on this subject. She also, like I said, helps corporations. She wrote a memoir as well called Breaking Into My Life. And she actually helped her bipolar mother, um, you know, during her struggles uh, for a lot of her her uh, growing up years. So uh, something that she's had to deal with with that. She's also gone through a divorce herself, dealing with depression and things of that nature. So she brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to the subject. And I wanted to bring her on to talk about it. So uh, we're going to talk about mental health today. It's going to be a great episode. And I think you're really going to enjoy it and implement some of these tools into your own life and uh, put, put them in your toolbox. So when you do struggle and things come at you in life, you'll be better prepared for it. So anyway, with that, I'm excited that you're here and uh, can't wait to get to the interview. It's coming right up. All right. We are live. Michelle, how's it going? Awesome. Good to see you. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. I'm excited you're here. So welcome to the Civil Engineering Academy podcast. I'm excited you're here. Um, before we dive into stuff, you know, I will probably read a little bit about yourself uh, in a bio, but it's always fun for me to, to ask guests and you tell, tell us a little bit more about your own background. What do you do? Um, uh, how, did, how did you get to where you are right now? But let us know what's going on in your world right now. A little bit more about your background. Awesome. So uh, I'll start with what I do right now. I get to work with organizations to preserve the well-being of their people. I'm really committed that that people don't suffer in silence. We have been going through a really interesting experience with COVID. And a lot of people yeah. have lost their footing or they're just not feeling like they have a lot of control. So um, my workshops help leaders engage with people that they think are maybe struggling and then also helps employees um, implement some daily strategies and techniques so that they can sort of feel better and preserve their well-being. Um, so that's what I do now. Why I do this work is because I grew up with a mother who had bipolar disorder and I cared for her. So I know mm -hmm. firsthand what it's like to love someone with a mental illness and care for them. and. Um, and that whole experience shaped me. I gave a TED talk about it. I wrote a book about it. And, um, I helped build an employee resource group for mental health in my fortune 50 company. Um, and so all those experiences shaped me and really left me in a space where if I could do something and help people understand mental illness and help people have a better relationship to their brain, 
um, I can make a difference with all of that. So that's why I do the work I do. That's amazing. I'm sure you've learned a lot during your life experiences. I remember, I mean, just looking at my own life, we ended up taking care of a grandmother that was uh, in a wheelchair. She was paralyzed from doing having a child and it went bad with the epidural. But, um, you know, these these things in our life kind of shape us into who we are. And it's interesting how they form a path for also even career paths for us as well. So absolutely. I mean, I can, I can tell you that if you were to have met me even like five years ago, I would have told you I was going to retire in the pharmaceutical industry where I spent 19 years. Like I would Um, never have ever thought I would become an entrepreneur and be doing this work, but you know, life, life sort of shows up and, and has you get present to what matters most. And that's really cool too. Throws us a lot of curveballs. Um, it's uh, interesting you bring up COVID. I know um, in my own experience and in doing a little bit of research back in April of this year, and we're in 2021, there was like 4 million people that said I quit to jobs and they called it the great resignation. And yes. I, I think it goes right along with what you're talking about um, with COVID and the way we're handling things. But um, mm-hmm. do you have mm-hmm. any insights, maybe uh, what your thoughts or opinions are about that? I think that the great resignation, and there's a lot of different um, information out there about that. Mm-hmm. I think that's largely rooted in people um, getting present to what matters. At the end of the day, you know, what really matters when, when you have all, all of the things that we had removed from our lives and changes that we were encountering, that is very confronting. And we spent a lot of time alone. We spent a lot of time reflecting, right? What matters? People were talking around us. Um, the world was turned on its head. So I think a lot of people were just, you know, what contributed to that is people getting present to what matters, asking themselves if this is the job they want to be in, asking themselves if this is the company that they want to be a part of. Does the company reflect my values? Am I aligned with this company? Do I like how my company has been treating me throughout this pandemic? All of these things played into um, people just saying there's more to life than, than what I'm doing. Right. I just thought that was interesting. So good, good points there. Mm -hmm. Um, As you've gone throughout your own life, what are some important things that you have uh, learned? And I know that's a big question, but maybe there's some highlights there that you could touch on. I think for me, the one thing um, that has bought me the most peace is realizing that life is always happening for us. Um, Mm -hmm. It takes away the victim mentality. there are events that occur in our lives that are, are literally an unfolding. And if you believe that life is, is here to serve you, these experiences will serve you even when you're in the thick of the ugliness. Um, it will bring you a little bit of peace. And so for me, like, I mean, one thing I didn't mention when you asked me to tell who I was, was I suffered from depression. I was adopted, so I never thought I would deal with depression, but I was diagnosed with depression going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. Um, And I learned a ton through that experience and that journey, um, as well as the divorce. So I think when we resist our reality, we create our own upset. And when we don't realize that there's a bigger, there's always 
something bigger unfolding for you and just have faith and trust in that, um, you'll create less stress in your life. That's fascinating. Um, you know, going through a divorce, it sounds like not only you had to take care of your own mother, um, but you also went through a divorce. So you've gone through a lot of experiences. Um, what through all of this are some important traits that maybe we could pick up on to overcome some of the challenges we face in our own life? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it all goes back to self-care. Um, and this is something that I am always reminding people, especially now, to give yourself grace and make yourself uh, a priority. I know when we have families and jobs and extracurricular things, we tend to put our, our own needs and ourselves and our own balance on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like the preservation of our well-being is the most important thing because we're at the source of everything going on, right? We're at the source of, you know, how are we showing up in the world? Are we showing up the best version of ourselves or someone who's tired and irritated and, and doesn't feel good about how we're facing, you know, how, how we look to the world? So I think it's it's so important to, to nurture yourself, give yourself grace when you're going through things like divorce, when you're going through a loss of a job, you have or even, you know, failure, if you're failing a course or something, you have to learn to give yourself grace and find the gems um, and the um, the lessons along the way. That's a great advice. Um, you know, our audience is civil engineers. Many of them go through exams or they're going through college or even work experiences where maybe a mistake was made or something. So those are all really good points that you bring out. Um, and, and, um, you know, if we're not doing well and taking care of ourselves, um, other people, I think notice that, but, uh, it doesn't do you any favors wow. uh, and you do a, a worse job at, at the things you're normally doing. So I, that that's good points. Um, tell me a little bit more about how you were inspired to write the book that you wrote breaking into life. What is, what is that about? Um, uh, mm-hmm. take us through, why you wrote that? Yeah. So I was minding my own business, working my pharmaceutical job. This is the truth. And uh, one of my colleagues found out about my story growing up with my mother who had bipolar disorder, something I never really spoke about. Um, but I guess I spoke about it one time in the lunchroom or something. Yeah, and that's so where she, it starts. <laughs> so she nominated me to give a TED Talk. Um, at the time, we had, a, we had a TED stage within our company. We had... Um, opportunities for employees to tell their stories. So I was invited, um, she nominated me and then I was invited ultimately to prepare and deliver a TED talk about that experience. And what was fascinating to me was that talk was all of 13 minutes or 10 minutes. I can't even remember. It was back in 2008. Um, And the impact that that conversation had and people sort of coming out of the darkness and talking openly about how mental health has affected their life, whether it's a loved one or themselves or a child or a parent. Um, it was opening a conversation. It was normalizing brain health um, all through me going first. And I thought, well, this is powerful. Like the power of storytelling is really amazing. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if I could do this in a short TED talk, what could I do if I wrote my memoir? And I really explained to people what that experience was like growing up and loving and caring for someone with a mental illness. Wow. And that's when I decided to write the book. 
That's amazing. So I, I just have two questions to follow up on that. One of them is what was it like to prepare and deliver a TED Talk? And the second one is, is that the goal of the book is to bring mental awareness to basically the world? Because I imagine back in 2008, um, probably wasn't, you know, maybe talked about as much. And, and then all of a sudden, it, it seems like we're definitely talking about it more and more. And you probably were right at the the front edge of that. So um, yeah. what, do you, what do you think? So what, what was it like to prepare a TED Talk and then um, talk about that goal of the book? Yeah. Yeah. So the TED Talk was a wild experience, um, but I didn't do it alone. I had an amazing coach, uh, a TED coach, someone mm. who does this. There are, there are TED coaches in the world. And if you aspire to be a TED speaker, I highly recommend that you tap into a TED coach because it is nothing not like delivering it's nothing like delivering a PowerPoint presentation at all. It is a very rigorous process to understand that every single word that you pick in your TED Talk has got to have meaning and it has to reach your audience on an emotional wow. level. So it was, um, it was intense. It was a, I think it was a couple months we worked on it. We scripted it. We storyboarded it. We, we scripted it. Um, we honed in on the words we wanted. Then I practiced and then I practiced and then I practiced and then I practiced and then I practiced. And, uh, and it was great. It was great. It was exhilarating to be up there on the red dot and tell the story and uh, amazing. And, you know, like amazing training in storytelling. I was wow. say. So yeah, that I was, was just, I was curious about that. That's why I asked, I, yeah. you know, I haven't talked to a lot of Ted, uh, people that have given TED talks. So I'm just curious about that experience. And that's, yeah. that's really interesting. So, yeah. well, um, breaking into life sounds like an amazing, uh, book mm -hmm. and memoir that you've written, mm -hmm. um, geared towards, I guess, the civil engineering Academy audience, um, and how mental health affects students and civil engineers. Um, what advice would you give to students or even those that are trying to prepare to pass these big exams they have to take, which are like the FE and the PE exam, and they find yeah. themselves trying to overcome hurdles and, and haven't been able to do that. Yeah. And maybe they're, they're struggling with that. What uh, advice or uh, would you, would you give to them? Yeah. So I didn't answer your prior question. I'm going to answer that. And then oh, I'll yeah. So the, so why I wrote the book was really, I wanted to humanize the whole experience of mental illness. So it had two parts. If I could tell my story, then maybe people who had no relationship to mental health would have a healthy relationship to mental health. Because oftentimes the media paints a picture of mental illness that isn't an accurate representation. So I really wanted to do my part to tell the yeah. story. And then the second part was the perseverance and triumph over the past. So I had a I had a, a challenging childhood, but you know what? How many of us did as well? And maybe not by having a bipolar parent. So I just wanted right. people to realize that their past doesn't define their future, that they get to create their future in the face of whatever they went through. So those are the two reasons. Okay. But, but yeah, so around um, the challenges of, of the preparation of testing and, um, you know, struggling to to achieve that, to pass that, you know, I, I always go back to, um, are we in the best possible shape to be able to, um, to do the studying that we need to do the preparation that we need? Are we getting enough sleep? Are we feeding our bodies, um, what we need to, to have the right amount of energy? These are all things that will 
position you to be able to give it your best shot, right? So mm-hmm. it's all of those things. It's am I exercising? Am I drinking enough water? Am I am I not depriving myself of sleep? Because I think that studying, you know, through the night is a good idea. We all know that that sleep is critical if you want your brain to fire the way you want it to fire. So I would say, especially during times of high stress, you have to be making sure that you're taking care of your mental and emotional well and physical well-being and recognize that stress and the cortisol that you're dealing with amping up for something like this. Um, you need an outlet for that. So whatever that looks like, you know, I can say go for a run and go do something physical. But here's the thing. You could do a 10-minute meditation and reduce your cortisol levels. Mm. So even a simple meditation practice could actually help you clear your mind so you can have the level of focus that you know that you're capable of. That's great advice. Um, what about people that want to like Netflix binge a show because it makes them relax? Is that? Is that a good idea? Well, I mean, you know, it's a very interesting question. I will say um, (laughs) you have to be just as, so this is what I tell people in my corporate trainings, right? You have to be just as responsible for what you feed your brain as you do what you feed your body. So, I mean, if you're watching something um, that might not be as uh, nourishing for your mind, let's just say it's going to impact you, right? So think about that. That's why I tell people turn off the media. Don't watch, don't watch, you know, aggressive shows before you go to bed. Like be responsible with what you're allowing your mind and your eyes to consume because it's going to affect you. That makes sense. Um, so I, I guess it's just to follow up to all this. Um, a lot of life throws challenges at us, um, can cause, you know, fear of failure. Some people get anxieties. It, do those things cause mental illness or is that just part of life's journey? Uh, I, I guess is, is my question. You know, I, I often try to explain to people that mental health is a continuum, right? We, we quickly want to say I'm mentally well or I'm mentally ill. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's really a mental health is like physical health. It's a continuum. And so we glide across that continuum and life events show up for us. And maybe we're not feeling the best that we can feel. So we take a dip down. It's, it's a lot like our physical health. When we think about, oh, remember that year I did this? I was in the best physical shape. I had, you know, I just nailed that race or whatever because I trained. So it's, it's the same thing. So I think we should move away from mentally ill, the label mentally ill, mentally gotcha. sick, you know, and just recognize that life is going to throw us those curveballs. And um, if we can build up uh, practices that bolster our resilience and preserve um, our day-to-day well-being, we're going to be in a much better position to be able to deal with that. So this is where I say, what are, what's your daily routine? What's your morning routine? What are you doing to be able to deal with those, um, those downward moments um, with a little more ease and a less, uh, and less, uh, spiral out of, that you makes know. sense. Yeah. I, yeah, I think sometimes we're too quick to, um, label maybe anxieties or f- fear of something, or, you know, you're about to give a presentation or something as, as a mental illness, but, um, sometimes those things are just part, you know, they're just part of life. And so yeah. I, I love your analogy on that spectrum. 
of where, where you are in life. So that's a good point. Um, how can we better handle depression? Um, knowing that you've gone through it, that you've yeah. helped your mother through it, you've written a book about it. What, yeah. what are your, some tips that you might have? Yeah. Again, you know, uh, for me, I was going through a divorce and because I had a healthy relationship with mental illness because of my mother and the treatment that she experienced throughout my life, I knew that I was not a hundred percent. So I knew I needed to reach out and get support. Um, but not a lot of people understand it. It's sort of like the frog in the boiling water, right? The temperature keeps getting turned up and you don't even realize it before you know it, the water's boiling. Um, that's where I come and always am recommending to people the value of the self audit. How am I doing today? You know, we wake up in the morning as we, as we start to age, at least I can speak for me. I'm doing the physical body scan in bed. Okay. So the ankle still hurts. My hamstrings feeling a little bit better, but what we don't do is the emotional and mental audit. How am I feeling today? How am I doing today? Because if you can check in on your emotional well-being on a daily basis, and then when you start to slip and you start to not feel good and you pick up the phone and you call someone and you just talk to them, it could be could be a family member, brother, sister, best friend, and just talk about it, that's going to help you um, rather than ignoring it to the point where you just hit a wall. That makes so sense. the daily self audit is something I absolutely am an advocate for and the connection to someone you love and trust to talk about what you're dealing with is only going to help you. Um, you know, and then there might be times when it's a consistent pattern, but you know what, because you've been recognizing that you've been feeling bad for say a week, maybe it's time you reach out and you talk to a professional because you're aware of it and you're not ignoring it. That makes sense. So it sounds like these are some tools as part of being psychologically resilient that you've mentioned. One is to, you know, lean into people that you love or that care about you, friends, family. And the other one is if you do need help, go talk to a professional. Right. Is, is there uh, any other tools that we could add to that? Um, toolbox? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big advocate of, uh, of therapy. I think therapy is the best thing in the world. I have interviewed my own therapist and he's amazing. Um, find yourself a therapist. I always say, find yourself a therapist before you need a therapist. Cause the last thing you want to deal with when you're dealing with something is vetting doctors. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a doctor. I don't see him as frequently as I used to when I was dealing with my depression but I have him and God forbid something happens. I have a rapport with him and I can just call him and be like, okay, I need to get in. So maybe finding a therapist, a way you can do that is a great resource for that is psychology today. You can just type in your zip code under psychology today. Um, and, um, brings up a list of them. It brings up a list of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the national Alliance on mental illness, if you have a loved one that, might be struggling and you're not really sure you think they're demonstrating signs and symptoms and you want to know how to support them. Um, obviously listening is the greatest gift we can give a loved one, but, um, the national Alliance on mental illness, NAMI.org is a great resource. Okay. Great advice, great resources, (laughs) great tips and tools. Michelle, this has been a pleasure to have you on and talk about, uh, mental health and uh, really the resources that are out there for people that uh, need help. And I think we all need help. I think if you're human, 
you probably need help, right? So uh, we're all on that spectrum at some level. So it's it's good to get help. Michelle, what's the best way uh, for our audience to connect with you if they would like to check out your memoir or just learn more about you? Sure. So I have two websites. If you're interested in bringing a program to employees or to leaders and organizations on how to navigate conversations around well-being, you can contact me through careforyourpeople.com. And if you are interested in my book or my story or a free chapter of my book, you can go to michelledickinson.com. Perfect. (laughs) Well, uh, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm sure our Civil Engineering Academy audience will love this and uh, just excited to get it out there in the world and share it with people. So thank you again for joining me. And uh, we'll, we'll see you again. Awesome. Thank you. See ya. See ya.